Welcome to Snowcast and Happy Halloween. I'm your host, Alex McNamee. You might say we've taken the show to a spooky place this week. We're getting major true crime story vibes as we welcome to the show student journalist America Moreno of the Magnet Tribune in Laredo, Texas. She tells us about the first in her upcoming series of columns titled Creepy and Unexplained, the origins of the idea and the unsolved case she researched. Off we go. Texas. This September, she published a story, Creepy and Unexplained, Houston's Infamous Double Homicide. It's um, the continuation of a series. Uh, There was one more story from the Magnet Tribune, Creepy and Unexplained, uh, from last school year as well. Um, America, thanks for joining us. And first, just kind of, can you tell us the origin story of how this Creepy and Unexplained column came to be? Well, I wanted to do something surrounding Texas in general. I just sort of like started looking for stories around where I live, which is Laredo, Texas. I found this story about the double double homicide and it just sort of um, interested me quickly and I just decided to learn more about it and that's where all the research came and well, all the writing and the planning, too. Now, there was another story last year just by a different reporter on staff who's no longer there, but it was another kind of creepy and unexplained story. Are are these two kind of connected in any way as far as, like, being a series just about different subjects? Were you trying to bring that same kind of theme back to a column? In a way, we were, like, sort of aiming to give off that creepy, well, and unexplained vibe. So we sort of um, decided on just putting unsolved mysteries or creepy stories uh, in the magnitude. Yeah, it kind of feels like it's, you know, a part of that kind of true crime wave of podcasts or, um, you know, documentaries or stories in the newspaper. Is that subject of something you know true crime is that something that you're kind of into yes it is i read a lot of stories about it and i often um watch documentaries and will read books about it so you talked about kind of in setting this column up this year uh the houston's infamous double homicide you know you did kind of your internet research what kind of things were you looking for? I mean, why did this one stand out compared to others that you might have found? Well, when I was starting to do my research, I had seen that, well, it wasn't solved yet, but still they did have one suspect, which everybody believes they, that that was the actual murder, murderer. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just like, well, these two people, um, Martha and Hugh Gardner, Gardner, 
um, they had like a sort of like a face. Yeah, they had a Facebook page where I had all instant facts and information, and they actually had a connection in Laredo, Texas, uh, about the gun that was used. So, with that connection in Laredo, Texas, that sort of interested me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to add it, but I felt like it wasn't necessary to add it. But overall, um, there was even this book. It, it was just like a lot of research that came into this case that I just, it was just like a big thing for me to start doing it since I had like all kind of resources and I just decided to start writing. Yeah, all of those resources take us through a little bit of your process in the research. You know, what kind of resources did you rely on? Um, you know, what kind of documents or information did you uh, find out there that helped you kind of craft this narrative retelling? Well, I first uh, searched up the Icebox murders, which was the name given to the case. Okay. And I went to, well, of course, Wikipedia, and I started looking at all the facts. And I actually found that this couple in Houston had taken, had, well, started doing more investigations since they believed that police didn't have a lot of resources and time to actually uh, go deep into the case to find more actual facts leading to the suspect. And I... I decided to start researching on them, such as um, their Facebook page, and they even had a page dedicated to the Icebox murders. And there was like a lot of articles, such as um, both the Crime Tells Texas videos on YouTube as well, mm-hmm. and well, the page too, which was the Icebox, the IceboxMurders.com. And the and the Facebook page, the yeah, I Fox Murders too, <laughs> and I just decided to contact the actual couple, just like a bit of more information and more um, detailing on what actually happened, or something that wasn't that didn't click to me, like any questions, and they actually offered their help, and well, they helped me finish my story basically. Okay, so so the actual couple, uh, who who were these people, and what role did they play in? I mean, they weren't the ones who were murdered, obviously. Right. Uh, these couple was uh, were they're certified public accountants, certified financial and financial forensics, and certified fraud examiners. So they took a big part in the case because they were able to audit us. Charles Rogers, which was the only suspect and the son of Fred and Alina Rogers. And they found a lot of backstory where they led and where it led to many people being connected and sort of like just going back to Charles Rogers being the one who create who murdered his parents. And they they have this her, their own website, Gardener and Associators, and I decided to just email them one day, and they replied almost instantly. 
<laughs> that is awesome uh, to reach out to them. What was that? What was that interview like? Were they surprised that somebody was contacting them about this, or was it something they've been used to? They didn't sound that surprised. Okay. They, did. they were willing to like help help me, and they even wished me good luck in my story, and offered like if you have any questions or or doubts or or whatever that they did for me. And well, I contacted them, and they helped me greatly. That is awesome. Um, uh, you contacted them. You you published the story. Have you gotten any feedback about uh, you know your friends or anybody at school who has, or even the you know the couple uh, that you interviewed that has read the story? Have you gotten any feedback on it? I haven't gotten feedback from the couple, unfortunately. Yeah. But I did a lot of. Um, I did get a lot of good feedback from my friends. I started promoting it on all my social medias, and many of my friends liked it and said that I should publish another story and let them know once they do. So creepy and unexplained. What was kind of the creepiest or most uh, confusing part of this double homicide to you as you were digging up into the research? I think the creepiest thing was the head in the refrigerator of Fred and Irina Rogers when I actually found out mm -hmm. uh, the story behind the Icebox murders. It's just sort of like, wow. Um, I don't know, it's something that you don't really hear, especially from a son, like to uh, his parents. But what I decided to do to make it, give it more creepy vibe is sort of lead all the facts and all the hints leading to Charles by like a order in my story. Uh, so nobody has been charged with the crime, is that right? Right, nobody was charged. Uh, it's still considered unsolved since Charles Rogers ended up being killed and he didn't really have a trial or anything like that. He never really was um, founded and put into custody, so that ended up having the case on top. Oh, how was he killed? Oh, he was killed, um, he ended up fleeing to Mexico, I believe, and he started working on oil mining, and apparently there was this fight between the workers and the actual people in charge because of the pay, they wanted more. They want they wanted more money and pay, and Charles Rogers was one of the people who was in charge, and they ended up killing them, killing him, and so his body was thrown in the in the river. Mm. And how old are these uh, murders? This double homicide. When did it happen? It happened in 1965. 65. A lot of great uh, research, it sounds like, accompanied that for your story. And now and now people want more. So what, if anything, is in the works right now from this creepy and unexplained uh, column from you? Well, now I'm looking forward to an actual story that was taken place here in Laredo, Texas, which was uh, Miguel Angel Martinez, the most youngest person ever on death row in Texas. 
and his stories uh, linked to Satanism. And I don't know if you heard about it, but it's these three teenagers who broke into this house of a priest and well, something went wrong and they ended up killing the priest because they, one of the teenagers who was Miguel Angel Venegas was a Satanist and he believed that Satan wanted his souls. So it just got to him and they ended up killing the people who were there in the house. And it basically all blamed on Miguel Angel Martinez. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, that sounds like another interesting story in the series. Thanks for the little teaser there. We'll watch out for that creepy and unexplained kind of next installment about him and for your story. Thanks for joining us again today, America. Appreciate it. Um, thank you for including me. You can find America's work at magnettribune.org. Subscribe to Snowcast wherever you get your podcasts. And tell your friends about us. That's our show. Come back next week for another episode.